Welcome to the Voyager Podcast, hosted by Chris Fick and Brad Alexander. A podcast about authentic faith in unlikely places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope you're encouraged. Hello, and welcome again to the Voyager podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Fick, and I'm here with Brad Alexander. Hey, hey. We are continuing a conversation we started last week, what's actually just part two, with our good friend, Chris Price, who's yep. in town from North Carolina, and he has a really awesome story. If you if you happen to miss last week, uh, I would suggest going back and listening to that one first. Absolutely. And then uh, kind of joining with us here. But uh, let's let's keep on moving through the story. Yeah. So in part one, we really unpacked uh, growing up into time as a mechanic um, and serving in the military and then getting involved in the motorcycle club kind of culture. And uh, as we continue in part two, we want to dive into a lot more of kind of your role as a pastor and, and how we got from that, you know, from the clubs to that. So going back to your story, did you have a clean break from the club? Was that the end of the line? That guy was like, don't call again. And you never heard from those guys again. That was the end of it. It wasn't the f- Final straw. No, um, actually, so we ended up, uh, we went to Signal Hill for several months. And then at that point, you know, it became clear that we needed to find a local church body to be a part of. Um, and so just looked up uh, other Calvary churches uh, and then came across Calvary Carlsbad. I listened to a couple of, of sermons from Chris and uh, it looked like we, we knew we didn't want to be in like some big mega church setting. Like we wanted, uh, we always wanted to be in a smaller intimate setting. And even today with ministry, I I'm, I'm wholeheartedly believe that that is where, you know, life really comes out of people where there's accountability. But anyways, um, found uh, Calvary Carlsbad and, and came. And I mean, that's where we stayed until we moved back to North Carolina. Um, Chris was uh, so formidable in, in my early years in discipling me. That was one thing that um, has always stood out and has always given me such a great love for him is how he, he not only acknowledged um, me and my family and um, but he was genuinely interested. And then when that interest even learned, once he learned that, you know, I, I felt a call to ministry and, and, and knew that was kind of the path I took in, I mean, he just threw me in. He's like, here you go, dude, <laughs> lead this, come speak here, come follow me over here. And so really took the, uh, that, that, that example that Paul had, you know, from Barnabas and then transferred over to, to Timothy and to Titus of, of just really uh, taking me out of my comfort zone. I mean, you're, I've told so many people this over the years, but early, early on, he told me, you know, get used to being uncomfortable. And if you're comfortable, you're probably wrong. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, he, he, he always, you know, pushed me out of my comfort zone, whether it was uh, leading a men's study or, or speaking at a family camp or, or any of those things. It was just um, so gracious and really acknowledging that and affirming that in me. And I think that, that God used him. I know God used him in such a formidable way to give me confidence. Because I think one of the things that's super intimidating for me um, regarding uh, pastoral ministry and handling the scriptures is because you can't exhaust them. There's no mastering the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so when you when you realize that, and, and, and any preacher worth his weight and, and salt would, would acknowledge this fact, is that 
that gives you such a, a reverential fear of the Lord. Uh, it was, um, I think it was John Calvin that stated, you know, he's never been afraid or Satan never made me tremble, but I'd shivered every time before I entered the pulpit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, mm-hmm. when, when, when God is actually God to you, he's the one you fear. And when you fear him, then, then that, that, that reverence and that desire to handle things accurately creeps in and comes into play. And, and Chris just really, you know, to this day has been the, the only real uh, formidable male pastoral influence I've had in, in my pursuit of wow. walk. I've, I've sought it in other places, um, and unfortunately, it just hadn't panned out. Uh, and that, that's really what has pushed me even further. You know, my, my, um, my bachelor's program was leadership and ministry, so uh, and a lot of leadership experience in the Marine Corps, too. So I, I feel like that's something that the Lord has, has gifted me in and has given me a lot of uh, background and experience in, yeah. which has always been my aspiration. You know, like I, I think it's a beautiful thing when, when a, a group of pastors and elders can come together and, and, and wholeheartedly pursue Christ and serve the body that, that the Lord's blessed them with. Uh, yeah. And so, um, but anyway, sorry, I chased another rabbit. Uh, no, and I like, I think we want to unpack too, like your journey back to the South and becoming mm. a pastor too. And your time before yeah. is working on people's bikes from the club and hanging yeah. out with the guys from the club. Yeah. And now that you've taken that out of the equation, you're yeah. like, okay, like I don't, I'm not working on their bikes. Yeah. I, I assume I'm not hanging out with them. I, I'm starting to explore the church thing. Yep. Do you have a lot more time on your hands? Are you kind of aimless at first, or did you kind of just dive in full force? And I really dived in full force. Um, uh, I still had three young kids at home too at that point, uh, and so I turned my attention to them. Uh, okay. It was so it was it was pursuing Christ and then also pursuing Christ with them, and it was actually being a father figure. You know. Uh, I look back on those years before uh, coming to Christ and, and him radically changed my life. And it's always painful because I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good father. Um, and so there's a lot of painful memories there. But by God's grace, my kids were young, um, not so young in the sense that they don't remember. Our youngest doesn't because she was, uh, you know, a year, a year old. Um, but the others have somewhat of an inclination at least our two oldest boys do they 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 remember what bc dad looked like uh Mm. and god has used that so powerfully in their lives because anytime they step out of line or start to go stray i'm like bro like you 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 saw what that path brought me like you you experienced you know the chaos that was our life and our home at that point don't do that like, don't, please don't make that mistake. Like you had said earlier, you know, I, I don't, I want my kids' testimony to be, you know, I, I came to the Lord when I was seven years old and I've followed him ever since. You know, I, that's what I want for them. And yeah. that's, by God's grace, I, I really believe that's, that's what he's working out. And then we, they're, they're, they're so um, strong in their faith and they're so committed to uh, giving God glory. I mean, my oldest boys, uh, even in the last couple of years, have gotten to this point to where they're now coming to me and repenting of things that I had no idea. I mean, Whoa, it, little, little, that's really cool. like I'll get home from the gym or something, and uh, you know, my oldest will come up to me, Dad, can I talk to you? Uh, and then he'll be like, you know, the other day I did this, this, and this, and you know, the, the Lord really convicted me of it, and I felt like I needed to tell you so that you would you could pray for me and you'd wow. know. Mm-hmm. And so the fruit of all that has mm-hmm. just been such a blessing. But um, even going back though, you had asked if that was kind of the full 
out from that scene. There was uh, one point where a brother from the club had committed suicide. He was a, a Marine. He was a recruiter at the time. Um, oh, man. He ended up committing suicide. And so I was uh, informed uh, by one of the club guys that it had taken place. Um, well, and I guess I got to give a little backstory too, though. So during that time, there's ob- there's obviously friction at, at certain points with other people within the club or, or other clubs that you're affiliated with. And there was one guy that uh, had been, you know, he'd lived with us for several months. We were super close. Um, but at one point, uh, this like tit for tat battle had started. He had stolen some stuff from me. Um, I ended up stealing some stuff from him. He did it again. I ended up trashing his bike which you know that's a no-no you don't touch somebody's bike but i was you know at that point where he my my goal was actually i was going to steal his bike um but he had had a, a a wheel lock on it and i wasn't able to get it up in the truck and so i just demolished it and at that point you know it was on between the two of us um but needless to say i hadn't talked to him or anything and then found out about this memorial service uh went up to it to to just you know pay my respects thought i was doing a good thing um, Chris was saying earlier, I had talked to you the day before, the night before. Yeah, it was during VBS. Yeah, yeah. And and you were explaining that whole story to me. And you were, you had just been at the church. I don't even know, like yeah, not long, like a month or two yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And and you were explaining the story, and you're like, yeah, I got to go out there. And and then that that next night, yeah, Amanda came with all the kids to VBS, but you were at the yeah, I wasn't at there. The memorial. I, was, I was at the, the funeral. memorial, yeah. uh, and so saw a lot of guys. Uh, was, was, was talking, hanging out, you know, everything was cool. Well, you know, the grapevine, the uh, homie had heard that I was there. Um, and so ended up showing up and I, I can remember I, he, I saw him pull in, we were downtown Temecula. I saw him pull in. I was like, okay, this is going to go one or two ways. Um, but then didn't see him again. And he ended up sneaking through the kitchen of the bar to get to a, a side door that was like a couple of feet from where I was standing and I was faced the other way. So my back was to that door because I was facing the main street uh, and came around and just sucker punched me. I mean, just and so I ended up getting jumped at this memorial service for uh, this guy um, and, and, you know, had fractured parts of my face and everything wow. and, and eye socket and uh, was banged up pretty good. And, and so that was really the Lord like, no, like you, you're you're separated from this culture until I tell you that you're okay to come back or or because my my you know early on of course my thought was oh you know I'll I'll witness to these guys and I'll, I'll try mm-hmm. to start a Christian club or something like that but he was like no like no you're 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 cut off you can't have one foot in here and one foot out there like you're cut off from it and so he really shut the door I mean I ended up having to go to the ER and stuff and make sure that everything was fine and um, you know Amanda had to come come get me and stuff. So it was a whole thing. And I remember Amanda was talking about it earlier. And it it was really kind of when Amanda knew that this was a a real change in me because she said um, my my first concern when she picked me up was, well, what am I going to say to the kids? Like, how am I going to explain this to them? Whereas before I would not have cared. You know, I would I wouldn't have cared at all about about trying to hide or explain that to them. But I, I showed a genuine concern about how I was going to explain this to my children yeah. of, of what had taken place, uh, even though it wasn't anything that I went out looking for or started or anything like that. And so the Lord really used that to shut that door. And that that was it. That was the last time I talked to, to any of those people. Yeah. I, and you took it really seriously b- yeah. because I remember even you had your motorcycles that you had back then, your bikes, and you were like, you wanted nothing to do with them. You took them apart. Yep. And I was like, are you going to put them back together? And yeah. you're like, no, yeah. like that, those are from an old life. Yep. And I cannot ride those bikes. Like yeah. I can't, I can't go back there anymore. And I think the God's really honored that um, in you. 
I also remember we ended up playing, we had a softball team. You were on the initial part of our church softball team. Yeah. And I remember uh, talking about transformation. Um, There's a play that happened and Chris is running to second base and something happens where this guy, they run into, he runs into this other guy on the other team. He was standing in front of the base. He was standing right in front. You guys kind of like just ran right into each other. And it was like an accident. It wasn't like an on purpose thing. But the guy gets in Chris's face and and he's like provoking him. Oh, man. And I come running out because I'm like, you're barking up the wrong tree. Stop. Like I'm, t- I'm saying to the guy like, dude, do not do this. Do not do this. And Chris has like the most innocent look on his face. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't, I didn't mean to. And I was like looking at his eyes and it's like he had this like kindness in his eyes. And I'm like, there's no way that's the same man. Yeah from a year before. So yeah. it, was, it was pretty cool like yeah. to see the transformation from like that old, like, cause you keep talking about transformations. Like you see a guy from a rival club and you're like, I don't, yeah. I'm not seeing him the same. Right. You, you, you get jumped and you come out and you're all of a sudden your priorities aren't the same as they were before. You're pressed in a moment of heat and yeah. you did not respond. Cause you know, like that's like a twitch, like someone oh, gets yeah. in your face and then it's bam. And yeah. now it's all of a sudden, everything's all messed up. And it was like, it was a strong testimony to our whole team. It was, I think it was to yourself. Like you, I think remember you coming to me afterwards and you're like, I can't believe I reacted like that. Yeah. And totally. I was like, well, good job, man. It like totally that was right. awesome. I was running out there and I was like, I'm getting in the middle of this. <laughs> like, and I'm like, don't touch him. Don't touch him. <laughs> I've forgotten all about that. Yeah. But now, I, 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 now that you've mentioned it, I remember coming to you and being like, dude, I don't, I can't believe I just like stood there. I mean, he was, he was going at it pretty good. And I was just, he's a cool guy. We've played with him years since and he's yeah. always been really mellow. I mean, it must've had a bad day. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully the Lord on. I yeah. Mean, undoubtedly the Lord used it, but that was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you know, having a new nature that's like that's the crazy like you know so so god creates the universe ex nihilo out of nothing mm-hmm. but for sinners like you and me it's not out of nothing he's making you a new mm-hmm. creation i mean to the to the mm-hmm. the most extreme extent i mean he's taking something that's utterly depraved and wicked and and enmity with him and and selfish and prideful and then literally making it a new creation yep. you have you finally have a desire that's no longer centered on yourself but centered on him you you know you're not absorbed with what I can get, but you're now seeking to serve. Like you spoke about earlier today in your message. I mean, that was even something that really stuck stuck out to me early on was just, you know, I just want to serve. Like, I don't care what that looks like. I don't care if, if I'm scrubbing a toilet for you, if I'm emptying a trash can, like, I just want to serve. I want, I, I want to do something to contribute to uh, the church that, that God has formed and now called us to be a part of and mm-hmm. and to be that example to others around us. So one of the books that stuck out the most to me um, in my uh, undergraduate program was a book by Leighton Ford, and I think it was The Leadership Style of Jesus or something around along those lines. But the quote that, that just jumped out at me and has really stuck with me in, in regards to my philosophy for for ministry and, and the way I seek to lead uh, others is he, he made the statement that the greatest leader of all is the servant that's willing to suffer. Mm. I mean, and that is that not just like mm-hmm. to a T the example yeah. that Christ gave us? You know, what one of the things that through the Gospel of Mark that's always you know it's that Gospel of action. It's it's very fast paced and quick. But he's also focused on the leadership styles. I mean, the disciples, you know, well, who's going to be the greatest? And he's like, no, dude, if you want to go up in my kingdom, mm-hmm. you got to go down. 
And yeah. it's just so countercultural, and and our kids now even echo those things. So it's just it's just really beautiful to to and ironic because you see the philosophy of the world, you see um, how people think they're to operate or function or how they're going to get ahead in life, and it's like no, dude, like you got to do it the exact opposite way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not how yeah. this 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 whole thing works, and it's not how you're going to actually find true success or peace or happiness or anything good in life. Yep. Yeah. So. After all that happened, that was like the final. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Never, never talk to them again. Yep. And I guess you may never know, but did some people know that was going to happen? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. You know, I, I have to think it, that some people probably knew. Um, but again, that was a personal beef. It wasn't a, uh, it, yeah. it wasn't a club thing or, or anything like that. And so um, generally speaking, when you had a personal beef with somebody, unless it was going to bring heat or, or or you know get in the way of the mission of what the club had going on then they let people handle it out on their own you know it wasn't something that people were going to get in the way of yeah. so you went to friends memorial that went down now you're officially like no more feet in the water yep and you're around carlsbad a little longer mm-hmm. did you move back where you grew up so uh, we live in my grandparents' old house now. Oh, uh, how cool. like, so like they, where they live, where, where we live in North Carolina now is only 45 minutes away from where I grew up in South Carolina. So okay. as a kid, like on weekends and all summer, I was there. Like my grandparents' house is where I live. My my grandfather was really the, the, the formidable male in my uh, upbringing. My dad, um, a good man, uh, but white collar and gone all the time. I mean, just worked, 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 worked. He actually just just recently retired. And it's been so cool to see him in that side of things because he's even um, more relaxed, more gracious towards the kids and things like that. But so my grandfather was really formidable uh, in my life, always the person that I looked up to. And the irony behind that too is that he was a deacon for 43 years in his church. Um, oh, no Probably kidding. one of the most respected men that I've ever known or heard of. I mean, even to this day where we live, because it's still a lot of people that were there while he was alive and, and saw his life. I mean, testify. I, I've literally never heard anyone speak poorly of my grandfather, ever. I, I can't ever remember a time where he um, lost his cool unnecessarily. I, I can remember one time where he might have let a, a, a foul word come out of his mouth, and that was because of something stupid I had done. <laughs> but yeah. but but outside of that, so no, we we um we we had this home. Uh, my, my grandfather had passed away in October of sixteen, um, and so it had been a few years um, after that point when my wife Amanda was getting out of the Navy. We knew we didn't want to raise our kids in Los Angeles or or really even in, in the big city area. We at one point we had actually even looked at buying a house in Julian. Um, okay. But then my grandfather passed away. Um, so that our property is like 30 acres, uh, about 18 of that wooded. Um, and so she was there by herself. The, the house we live in isn't huge by any means. Um, we've got five kids and then they share rooms. Like, I mean, so it's small, I think like 17 or 18, but it was still too much for her on her own. And so we ended up selling uh, right at 10 acres to a neighbor and then built her a, a little house right next, right? I mean, 50 feet away from ours at the end of the drive, but went into the driveway where she lives now. And so um, that was really kind of the, the the allurement back. We had this home and property and, and it was familiar for me and we knew it'd be a good place for the kids to grow up. And um, and so Amanda was on board with it and uh, we just headed out there April of 19. So just a little over four years at this point. Um, 
right at four years now. Did you know when you were moving back that your intention was to... Oh yeah, absolutely. Start. It's to be pastoral ministry. Yeah, yep. I, I'd uh, before we left, I'd started my undergraduate program here uh, online because obviously I knew that we'd be moving halfway through that pro- that process. But yeah, no, I knew uh, again from very early on, for close to day one, if not day one. I, it just it, it, there was in my mind there was no other logical conclusion for the Lord to have brought me and kept me through all of that. I mean, I, I can, I can, I don't. I can't count on both hands how many times just in Afghanistan alone I should have died, much less mm-hmm. in the club scene. And I mean, just if, if you're riding a Harley every day, doing 120 splitting lanes and dead stop traffic, and somehow you don't, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been in one motorcycle accident my entire life. Uh, wow. So, I mean, just looking back on all that, I think for me, it was just, it was abundantly clear as like, now this is what you're going to do. Like you're going to serve me like to the fullest extent. This is going to be mm. your call, what you do with me, me with you, and that's it. Um, so I, I very early on began to pursue that. Um, so got my undergraduate um, within a year and a half, two years almost after we moved there that we flew out and I got ordained. Um, mm. Yeah. The church uh, and the entirety affirmed it. I mean, it was a unanimous uh, vote. I passed my ordination council without any concerns or questions. So, I mean, just seeing God like bring, and mind you, this is a traditional Southern Baptist church where when we moved there, my own grandmother told me, she's like, they'll never even make you a deacon, much less a pastor. Like, don't, don't you remember your past? Like, you've been divorced and this, that, you know, I mean, it was very much like of the opinion that this ain't going to happen. Like, you're living off in La La Land, but it's like, <laughs> it's every step. The Lord's like, Yep, 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 yep. So, and you're call- and you were called. Like I think it, early on, you even came to me and you're like, I, th- I feel called to the ministry. Yeah. Th- that's why I gave you all those opportunities. Right. I was like, and then I'd like I'd go speak at the packing house and be like, Hey, Chris, you want to come with me? Yeah, let's drive to Redlands or whatever. And it was like, I was like, this guy's called to the ministry. And yeah. then the first time I heard you speak, I was, and then saw the way you treated people and loved on people. I'm like, he's. He's a pastor. Like he's gonna be a pastor. So that's that's what I saw. I was like, man, Chris is gifted. So it's like, dude, speak at the men's breakfast. Hey, speak at family camp. Hey, let's do a testimony night where you I remember you put up a picture of you getting jumped, yeah. like your eye and stuff. And so, but it in, early on, he was like, I feel like I'm gonna be a pastor, which is actually not that odd. People say that a lot. But I was like, I saw it, and I saw he was all in, and then I saw him full on diving in, serving, doing everything he could possibly do at VBS every night. Uh, every time there was something going on, he was there. We started doing the guys thing where we would go around, we'd yeah. eat at different restaurants, and people would prepare a message, and Chris had a full handout for everybody for his message, and it's just like, this guy's called, man, and it was like, you took it super seriously and went for it, so there was no surprise that you were going to be ordained yeah. pretty quickly, but it, it was a, a culture shock because I'd never been, <laughs> I'd never really been to the South and I would definitely never been to a traditional Baptist church in yeah. the South where there's like five of the same churches on the same yep. s- street where there's like a thousand people in the whole city. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a wild thing, but it was, it was like, I still smile when I look at that picture of being in North Carolina with your family and, it was so rad, that, man. Yeah. I mean, it was just it, it was what God has done. It was and so it's surreal. Continuing to yeah. do. It was so surreal, and that, I mean, even when 
um, I, I had finished my uh, ordination council, and they, they had given their seal of approval on it and everything. I mean, he was the first one that I texted and called. Like, I mean, as soon as we got the date, it was like, dude, you're coming out here. I don't care how we have to make it happen because, again, he was – and still is. I mean, Chris has really been – I mean, you've been that one, you know, steadfast, which is so cool. I mean, that's the new church that's name. The church name, for those who don't know. But I mean, you, hot off the press, you, hot off the press. You have been that steadfast uh, individual, you know, pastoral male friend figure in my walk with the Lord consistently. Like I haven't, I haven't had that from any other brother. Period. I mean, Chris has been somebody that I can. Um, you know, call in, in times of turmoil and trying to f- navigate, you know, new waters of things that I don't know how to respond to and ensuring that I'm doing it um, in accordance with the word and in a, in a graceful way, but that I'm, I'm making a, a, a wise decision and not just a hasty or emotional one. And, and I mean, it's, it's so even being here today, like walking into the sanctuary where, you know, the Lord really laid our foundation and, 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 you know, he knew exactly where we needed to be. And, and the people here still, I've, I've told everybody today, genuinely love one another and genuinely love others and genuinely love Christ. And that is such a rare thing to find. Unfortunately, hard to, I mean, yes, there, I don't want to be this, you know, really pessimistic that church is in utter chaos and, and because that's not, that's not totally true. That's not facts. I mean, there are bodies of, of Christians throughout our country and throughout the world that genuinely love Christ, genuinely love one another. And they do such a wonderful job of displaying that. You know, even just this past week, we've had some some turmoil and things go on that, you know, weren't ideal. And, and so just this morning, I, and I even told him, man, I was like, I don't want to do a podcast. I don't want to do anything. Like, I, I just... <laughs> Like, I'm just so bummed about just the situation right now. And she's like, and my wife is so amazing. And 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 just the, the work the Lord's done in her has been so cool. And she always puts me in my place. She's like, well, you know, that that's exactly where you have to be. And that's exactly what you have to do then. Mm. Uh, and like being here with you guys this afternoon, even just talking and chatting and hanging out and, and talking about all the sweet things the Lord has done in, in all of our lives is just I mean, what's more edifying than this? What's what's more encouraging? Yeah, no, than, I'm encouraged than than yeah. talking about the, the the glorious things that God has done and how He's redeemed just our own folly and 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 rebelliousness against Him for for our own good and His glory. I mean, I was telling you earlier that yeah. Romans eight twenty eight has been such a, an encouragement to me over the last couple of years, just knowing that this is truly for my good, regardless of what it is. It's truly for my good, and trusting that. I mean, Thomas Watson and his All Things for Good. Um, made the statement, you know, that he, he goes through, I mean, lists out point after point after point about why God uses these circumstances for our good. And the one that really clung to me was that which causes you to pray more is for your good. Mm. And and wow. when do we pray more than when we're in a season of, of just suffering or, or hardship or, you know, there's tension between relationships that we have with others? I mean, it, when times are good, yeah, we, we, we give God glory and praise for those things. But when when they're not so good, we definitely find ourselves on our knees and in our prayer closets a lot mm-hmm. more, um, with a, with a, just an utter dependency upon Him. So you know, it's it's good. He's good. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for the kind words. I I'd say you're you are extremely easy to disciple because because you, <laughs> you were just like, uh, I'll do anything. I'll go for it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so no, this has been fun. It's funny. Two weeks ago. We're driving down the street and I told my wife, I feel so blessed right now. And like, I, I'm, I feel so fortunate where we're at in life right now. 
And almost like clockwork, like three days later, I felt like life ditched up like a one-two combo <laughs> and just started punching me. And I'm like, oh, and then that thing's falling apart. Oh, and that's falling apart. And then this is happening. Oh, and then that. And it's like, okay, cool. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm unhappy about everything, mm. you know? And I came in here and I was talking to Chris and it's like, if you're where God wants you to be, you never have to question, am I in over my head or this or that? And it's funny because it's like, I know that, yeah. but I needed someone to be like, why are you forgetting this thing? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Do you not remember that this is why you prayed about all those things so that yeah. when things did go awry or whatever, you'd be like, but if God called me to be standing here, then he's going to sort it out. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's going to figure itself out. But it's like, there's such a beauty in like having like brothers you can really rely on. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us in a previous life, we'll call it, thought we had people we could rely on. And maybe to some degree we did. Like, it's not like everyone's out for blood. I have really great friends that even to this day don't believe in God. And I I still love them. Yeah. It's not like it was a free for all, but it's like there were elements of like thinking that was the hardest thing is when you thought someone had your back and then they put a knife Mm. in it and you're like, really? Yeah. Um, but I've just, some of my best friends at this point are all dudes that I know when push comes to shove, I can pick up a phone and call you and be like, I feel burned out <laughs> or yeah. I feel like I'm running on empty right now. And I know they're going to give me like godly counsel. Right. Not like, oh yeah, you should be burned out. Let's go burn that thing to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. no, you need to reset. How's your prayer life? You've been in the word. Are you grounded? I don't know. There's such a beauty to doing life together. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, that's a cool thing too. I mean, you come into God's family and you've got family everywhere. I mean, you, mm. you, you never go anywhere where you don't have a brother or sister mm-hmm. nearby mm-hmm. and you may not know it yet or know them yet, but they're there. I mean, and that's, that's such an encouragement too, you know, that, that we've been called and adopted into this huge family of, of people that uh, love the Lord and, and are called to love and serve one another. So even, you know, I think one of the, the the detrimental ideologies that we have in our society, especially in the West, is this individualistic mindset. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to do mine. Yeah. Look out for me. You know, you figure it out on your own. Uh, and and that's kind of crept into the church in a sense of uh, we view this uh, sometimes community as being a result of the fall. But if we actually look, that's not the case. I mean, we're the the Godhead itself is in community with one another, the Father, wow. the Son, and the Spirit. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we were created for that from the beginning. I mean, the first thing that God says isn't good is that Adam was alone. And so when we when we can finally dump that skewed understanding and truly come to understand that, you know, we are gifted differently. And as members of this body, the body of Christ, then, you know, if it, I might just be a foot and I'm, and I'm good at getting things around or done and, or have a gifting logistically and I, you know, I'm the arm, I'm the right arm of the body. It's still, if, if you think about it, if, if I just walk down the street and there's a foot hopping around by itself, that's weird and nasty and disgusting. But when it's attached to the body and it's functioning in the way that it should, then all needs are met. And more than that, you know, the, the, the glory of God and the, and the beauty of the gospel of, of uniting all these people from these different ba- backgrounds. I mean, you have CEOs and gangbangers and, you know, artists and soccer moms and all these people living in community together. Well, what's that about? You know, how, how does that come into play and where that's, and that's what draws 
people in. That's what makes it stand out and apart from the world. And that's, you know, the the, the church I've always believed should reflect the community that it's in. And I think Carlsbad has always done a wonderful job of that because there is a diversity, not just in ethnicities, but in in social status and, and what you do for a living or work. And that's age. That's age. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. And so you have the, the multi-generational, multi-ethnicity, multi-social economic backgrounds all coming together and loving each other and genuinely enjoying each other. And that's drastically different than the world. I think that's the, the biggest part about the church that stands out from what we've been talking about, the cultures that you find, whether it be the hardcore or the punk or the MC scene or, or the gang scene, is that those people all have something in common, you know, the, as far as their view of the world, as far as, you know, their abilities and giftings, they all have a common interest in that regard. And yes, in the church, we have a common interest in Christ, but it's it's the common interest that brings a diverse population of people and backgrounds together versus it just being a bunch of people from the same backgrounds, the same experiences that are just egging each other on. Yeah. Unity, not uniformity. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 When you think back, did you ever think about like coming from a childhood where you kind of knew about church? I mean, again, I think I always thought that, you know, even the demons profess Mm -hmm. Christ as the Lord. They believe that he's God, but that doesn't mean they, they know him. That doesn't mean they have a relationship with him. That doesn't mean they have a, a right relationship with him. Um, and so I think to a degree, um, there were things that I, th- I thought I was saved. But also, again, that's how certain things were modeled in front of me, that you just went to church on Sunday, and that was good. That was your check in the box. Um, and you could live like hell the rest of the week. <laughs> but then you came back Sunday and you were cleansed and good and, you know, you sang your hymns and you did what you were supposed to do as far as that was concerned. And then you went about your way and lived like hell again for the rest of the week. Mm. So there was never any fruit. There was never any change. The the root of the issue was never addressed. Um, but absolutely. I mean, I, I take Ephesians 1 to heart. You know, I mean, I, I truly believe that the Lord, uh, since the beginning, since the date before the foundations of the world, knew those whom he was calling, knew those whom Christ would come and die for. It was, it was you know, people get hung up on uh, limited atonement, so I'll just use definite atonement. He knew who he was dying for, and he did that. He did that for me. He did that for you. Uh, and that just makes it all the more glorious. You know, I mean, since before we were even a, a thought in anyone's mind, we were in his eye. We were, his love was set upon us. And to be thought of in that sense, then it truly does give purpose and meaning to everything that I've experienced in my life. And we can be like Paul encourages the Corinthians that, you know, the the same comfort to which he's comforting you, you comfort others with. Mm -hmm. And not only to comfort them, but also even for the salvation of some. And so it's it's just it's it's really a beautiful thing to know that every single second of life that I've lived and breathed and that anyone has lived and breathed has been for a purpose. And that's just a beautiful thing to to really uh, come to terms and and understand and really just embrace is that you know the Lord nothing is wasted for the Lord and nothing is wasted uh, in in creation. Nothing is wasted in the lives of the people that he's created and spoken into existence. 
Uh, and hopefully, you know, none of the words that we utter from that point forward when we truly embrace him, you know, of course, we're still sinful and fallen and make uh, drastic mistakes <laughs> on the daily. Yeah. Uh, and as John says in, in one of his epistles, anyone that says otherwise is a liar and the truth is not in him. Um, so, yes, we stand by grace and, and grace alone, and, and we, we live and we breathe by grace and grace alone. So who can have an encounter with Jesus Christ, the creator and sustainer of the universe, and not be changed by that? I mean, how, how can anybody professing to know Christ not be given this, this hunger and desire to know the one in whom you were created to know and to follow and to serve? And so my experience, at least, has just been an ever-increasing hunger for the knowledge of the things of God and an ever-increasing desire for the wisdom to apply that knowledge in a way uh, that, that exemplifies uh, Christ-like character and conduct to a fallen world around us and to my wife and to my kids and to his church and just being um, a, a, an under-shepherd worthy of the call. Uh, granted, we're not worthy at all in and of ourselves. It's, it's strictly through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ in our lives, but nonetheless wanting to do um, everything for his glory, meaning to do everything to the best of my abilities with the giftings that he's given me. We really appreciate your time and sharing awesome. your story. I'm always like really like fired up to hear a good story, we'll call it, about where God finds people or rescues people. But like we had talked about earlier, it's like the best years are ahead of you once you submit to God. The things he's going to do with you are the most fulfilling things and, and finding your calling, you yeah. know? When you were wrenching on bikes for people in the club, like the idea of you being a pastor someday to some people might have been like, oh, doesn't seem likely. Even today still. <laughs> you know, doesn't seem likely. And it's I, like, I'm that's why you. it's so cool. That's yeah. a common thread, right? The all in. We keep talking about that. The all in nature. Yeah. You might have been the first to coin that on the show. Yeah. It's a funny. My all in nature. Yeah. But now it just, it might as well be our tagline because it's It just like, keeps happening. We're like, well. Hashtag all in. These are the people that we're surrounding ourselves with anyway, huh? <laughs> we love sharing these stories. We hope people out there were encouraged by it, you know, and, and people of different walks yeah. of life can find just the commonality in, in these stories and, you know. And if you're out there and maybe you've never given God that chance, we hope the more that we bring people on and we talk about it, it's like, dude, just give Jesus a chance to mm -hmm. to blow your mind, as we've said before, because, you know, whatever narrative you've been sold, whether it's legalistic mm -hmm. or he's not real or he doesn't care or he's not good or he's uninvolved or uh. he just wants to take away from you. He wants to make my life less interesting. It's rules. It's laws. It's like whatever you've been sold, it probably isn't that. And just give him a chance to show you who he actually is. It's not about who we want him to be. It's who he actually is. Hmm. And the more I get to know who God actually is, and I'm still on the path of trying to get to know that because it's like however deep I go, I'm like, it's not deep enough. <laughs> it keeps going yeah. deeper, but it's like. You know, someone told me working on the film, uh, a counselor at a facility said, my experience with God is he's a scorekeeper. He's just waiting for you to mess up so he can punish you for it. And Ugh. I'm like, what a, like, what a small-minded way to look at God. Couldn't be further but I get truth. it because yeah. this is the God that was sold to you yeah. by, by the people above you. But it's like if you're in that place right now reach out to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You know, if you have questions, reach out to us because that's that's not the God we're talking about. No. Yeah. And if you do look elsewhere, that's the God you will find because it's all based on you. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, you guys have any closing thoughts, Chris, Chris? Uh, I'm just, I'm grateful for my friend Chris here being here. It's uh, I, I love this guy. And I'm like, I just, I think what I, it's just what God can do in mm-hmm. a life that just decides to surrender that like, here's the call and surrenders and, and is, and goes for it. And you, I mean, it's just, it's almost unrecognizable, like how much change can happen mm-hmm. and how much life can come out. You might think you have no life left in you. It's like, if you're not connected to the life source, you might be right. Yep. <laughs> but as soon as you connect and, and find it's like the abiding in the vine, there is fruits waiting to come out of your life. If you are connected to God and you choose to, to heed his call and then come and become part of that. So yeah. I think it's just be, I, I love Chris. I love Amanda. I love his kids. I got to spend a lot of time with them in, in North Carolina. And they were, when they came, when you guys came up, I was playing guitar this morning and I was just like, hi, you know, like in the middle of worship. I'm like, probably shouldn't do this, but I'm just so happy to see everybody. So but good, we're so happy you guys are here. And so yeah. thanks so much for to- being, being part of the podcast. I know you've been listening from North Carolina. I was like, yeah. Chris, can we get you on? He's like, absolutely. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, you're going to be here. Yeah. Let's, let's do it in person, man. There's yeah, nothing better so, than that. So rad. And, and even, even, you know, God's providence in, in arranging for our to come here yeah. was, was gnarly and, and, and so cool. Cause it, so this has been really the pinnacle of our trip. You know, we've, we've been so um, stoked about being able to be back in fellowship with you guys for a day. And, and, and then knowing that we were going to get to hang out and talk this afternoon too, has just been so good, you know, I, and I guess to a listener, I would just say, uh, there, there is a holy and righteous and and good and loving God who uh, created uh, all people for a purpose. And uh, if you don't know Him, then then you are rightly at enmity with Him. But there is grace, uh, grace that He uh, pr- freely gives, and only He can provide. And it's His calling, His work that He's uh, choosing. I mean, yeah. if if you're listening to these words right now today, to what we're talking about. Um, it wasn't by accident. Uh, yeah. So so now is your opportunity to respond. Uh, and because he's a holy God and we're a sinful, wicked person, that means that we did need atoning for our sin. And Jesus Christ is the one who provides that work mm-hmm. uh, and grants you uh, the gift of, of repentance and faith in him. So if you don't know him yet, turn away from your sin, turn away from yourself and, and lift your eyes and your heart up to him. He's there, he's waiting, uh, and he is good and worthy of our praise. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Voyager Podcast. If you'd like to reach out, you can reach us through Instagram at the Voyager Podcast. We hope this has been encouraging for you. Until next time.